1: morning. It's so good to see all of you again. Um, Thank you for worshiping with us here today. I'm Tony Walliser, one of the pastors here at Silverdale. I get the privilege of teaching and sharing with you God's Word. So go and take your Bibles and open up in the New Testament to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. That's in the New Testament. And also you can take out your smartphone, open that app to Galatians 6, and do this as well. Take out your Bible study outlines. They're found right here in the center of your bulletin, and you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. You see, we're in a series called Freed. We're studying Galatians 5 and 6, and what we're doing is we're learning all the different ways that you and I, as followers of Christ, are freed in Jesus Christ. But if there's one thing I've learned, if you really want to walk free in Jesus, you've got to learn how to deal with the burdens of life. Anybody here beside me got any burdens in your life right now? I mean, I think we all got a little burdens going on in our life. And we've got to learn how to deal with burdens. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Last month, whenever my wife and I went to um, Jordan, we took one day and we toured Petra. Now, Petra is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's an amazing city, amazing ancient city that is literally carved out of the stone, um, you know, mountains that are there. And so what we did is we actually took a burrow and toured this vast ancient city. Now, uh, I've never ridden a burrow before, but it's actually a pretty smooth ride. It's amazing how smooth it was. Now, um, the reason I bring up a burrow is simply because of this. Because the Apostle Paul, in this passage, says that we need to carry one another's burdens. And the Greek word he uses there is boros, where we get the word burden from. Because some of you, take a look at this picture of this burrow here. Some of you, that's the way you look. N- not his face, the load. The load there, right? I mean, I can't see your load. You can't see my load. But, but many of us, we carry this incredible load in our lives. And the truth is, is it could be, you know, it could be physical load. Or it could be, you know, a relational load. I mean, not everybody's rich, but everybody's got burdens. Not everybody, you know has wealth or, or has health, but they've got burdens. Not everybody's talented, but everybody's got burdens. All God's children got burdens. They come in different shapes and sizes. It may be a family burden or a financial burden or a physical burden or a vocational burden. We all have burdens. In fact, if you're here and you've got absolutely no burdens and you don't know anybody else has got any burdens in your life, you're free to go right now, okay? But now the rest of us, we need to figure out how do you handle burdens in our life? And so, it's found in Galatians chapter 6. Look at what God's Word says, verse 1. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken with any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ." For if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with somebody else. Verse 5, each person will have to carry their own load. Now, in that passage, what we discover are three burdens that we all have in life. And how do you deal with those burdens? And what we're going to discover is that we need other people to make it through. We're going to be taught here that we are to bear one another's burdens. I hope you've already discovered this. You can't do life alone. We really are better together. In fact, every one of the principles that I share with you today, they are best lived out whenever you're in Christian community with somebody else. So that's what I encourage you to do. So let's look at these three burdens And how do you deal with these three burdens in your life? I want you to jot it on your outline. Number one is this. The first burden is the burdens of sin. The burdens of sin. Now, the burdens of sin will break you. So what do you need to do? You need to heal it. You need to heal it. You see, every one of us at one time or another get caught up in sin in our lives. And it will break us. Notice how Paul puts this in verse 1. He says, if anyone, if someone is overtaken In any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Now, I have several illustrations that help me with um, this morning's message. And each one of these visuals are going to represent a different burden that we bear. This first burden is going to be represented by a garbage bag, right? Have you ever had to take the garbage out? I do every week. Friday is garbage day in our house, in our neighborhood. And I'm so glad because if we've had chicken or fish earlier in the week, I'm telling you by Friday, it's stinking up the place, right? And so I'm so glad I get to take the garbage to the street and they haul the garbage away. Well, Paul is saying some of you have slid into some garbage. It's called sin. And what's happening is, is because you're walking with it, and you're not dealing with it, and you're not repenting of it, and you're not confessing it, you know what happens? It's stinking up your life, and it's messing with you. And you need to learn to take the garbage to the street. So what do you do whenever you see a brother or sister in Christ that is suddenly slipping into sin and messing up their testimony? Well, Paul tells us again. Look at it in verse 1. He says this. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual restore such a person with a gentle spirit. You see, we just can't stand by and watch our brothers and sisters in Christ wander away from the Lord. No, we're supposed to intervene and try to help them. Now, that's hard in America. Do you know why? It's real simple because we have this mantra in America, mind your own business, right? Don't mess with my business. In fact, we even have a personal theology in the church. It's called this. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, are you supposed to have a relationship with Jesus? Of course you are. But in America, we add, it's my personal relationship. Which means this. You can't tell me what to do, right? Right? It's my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, the fact is, is that as Christians, we are called to encourage one another whenever we see somebody falling into the trash and garbage of sin. And yet we don't want to hear that, right? I mean, I remember a number of years back, I was confronting one of our church members who was in the middle of an affair and abandoning his family. I called him up and he says, this ain't none of your business. And I said, well, actually, I'm your pastor. This is my business, right? And he goes, well, it's a private matter. And I go, well, hang on. Um, You're leaving your wife and kids. That's public. They're members of our church. You're having an affair with this other woman. It's pretty well known across the community. I think, um, you know what? This ain't a private matter anymore. Your sin is stinking up our church, all right? Now, he didn't want to hear that, but that's what I lovingly had to say. Can I tell you, I'll just be honest, I believe this, that a lot of people join big churches like Silverdale. Do you know why? Because they can just ease in and out and nobody knows anything about them, right? I mean, you can come in here and do your thing and worship however you want to, and the fact is, is that you could slip away from Jesus and nobody else would even know about it. That's why we tell you over and over and over again, every one of you need to get in a small group. You you need to have other relationships in your life where people know you and love you and care about you. And so that whenever you start inching away from Jesus, they're they're there to help you and encourage you in your faith. Now, if you don't want to grow, then you know what? Come and go. But if you want to really grow on with Jesus, then you need to have people in your life. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. Paul again says it this way. Look at it in verse 1. He says, if someone is overtaken in a wrongdoing, you who are spiritual do what? Restore such a person with a gentle spirit. In your outline, circle the word restore and circle the word gentle. I love the Greek language because it's so descriptive. The word restore there is a medical term. It means to set a fractured bone. Have you ever had a broken bone before? I have. And you know what? It's painful whenever it's broken. And Paul's saying, you know what? If you love somebody enough, you know what you do to them? You go to them whenever they have slipped into the garbage of sin, and you say, hey, let me set this thing for you. Ready? Snap, right? Now, is it painful at that moment? Yes, it is. It's awkward. It's painful. But yet, that's the only way you're going to get healed, you, you, when you come to a doctor and you got a broken bone, the doctor says, okay, this will just take a second. Hang on, ready? Snap! And you go, ah! And then you go, okay, it's, it's all right. That's amazing, right? And that's what it's saying here that what we do is we restore people, maybe painful, and yet it is healing. Now, why do we confront and hold each other accountable? It's just for one reason it's for restoration. Uh, Folks, we do this out of gentleness and humility and love. Why? To ostracize somebody? No, to restore somebody. I I mean, think of it this way. Imagine if you went to the doctor and you had a broken bone. And he says, you know what we got to do? We got to cut your arm off. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a little dramatic, right? Can't you pop it back in place? No, we got to cut it off. We just want everybody to see what a stupid oaf you are, Right? And that's why some churches are. You know what? They they confront one another, not for restoration, but for excommunication, right? That's the whole purpose of it. But the Bible says, no, we do this and we do it in love and humility and gentleness. Why? Because ain't nobody perfect here except Jesus. And so we come to one another out of love and care. Why? Because that's how we're healed. I mean, think about it. Whenever you're stuck in the garbage of sin, and you finally come to your senses and repent and return to Jesus, I'm telling you, it's the most life-altering, healing thing you can do. There's been plenty of times in my life when I've caught in sin, and it's just stinking up my life. And then I come to my senses and I repent. And you know what it's like? It's just like the story in the Bible of the prodigal son. As soon as you return, you know what? God comes running to you. And he embraces you. And he says, put a robe on his back and sandals on his feet and a ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. My wayward child has come home. Let's celebrate. That is what God does. So I know there's some of you here right now. You have wandered into the garbage of sin. And it's stinking up your life right now. Can I tell you what to do? Repent. Take that garbage to the cross of Jesus, and I guarantee you he'll haul it away for you. Amen? So the very first burden that we all have is the garbage of sin, the burden of sin. And it will break you. And so what do you do? You allow Jesus to heal you. But there's a second burden that we have in this life as well. And I want you to jot on your outline. The second burden is this. The burdens of adversity. The burdens of adversity, what's that? That's trials, that's heartache, that's some tragedy that hits you. And whenever this overwhelming tragedy hits you, you need to find somebody to help you share it. Check it out, look what it says in verse two. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In your outline, circle one another's burdens. Now, what I have here to represent this burden is this huge rock. Ah, That is heavy. Actually, it's not, but it represents something that is very heavy, okay? And that's what Paul's talking about here. Paul's talking about this huge rock of circumstances. It may not have anything to do with sin, but it is the circumstances of life, and they've beaten you down, and it's overwhelmed you, and you don't know how you're going to make it, and this rock has hit you, and it is crushing you. I love the way the writer of um, Proverbs puts it. Solomon says this, Proverbs 18, 14, a person's spirit can endure sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? You see, there are some burdens in life. When they hit us, man, they'll crush us. And it's like, I, I can't handle this on my own. I need somebody else to come alongside me and help me carry this load, right? You go, what, what does that look like? Well, it could be a number of things. It could be a loss of a job, could be loss of a marriage, a loss of, you know, a family member, a, a death, death of a spouse. How about this one? Death of a child. Those are devastating. Or maybe you go to the doctor, and um, they say, you got three months left. I mean, how do you handle those kind of burdens whenever they hit you in life? And sometime or another, every one of us are going to be hit with those kind of loads. What do you do with the mega loads of life? You need somebody else to come alongside and help you carry those loads. A number of years back, I was driving down Brainerd Road, and there was a guy who had stalled on the road. And, and he had gotten out, and he was trying to push his car, you know, on the side of the road. But he couldn't do it because he was on an incline. And so I, I quickly pulled over, put, you know, put in park, put my flashers on, went there to help him push. Another guy saw the same thing happen. He was pushing. The owner of the car jumps in the car and sort of steers it off the side of the road. Afterwards, I said, hey, can I give you a lift somewhere? And he said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I got my cell phone. I'll call somebody. And he said, thanks so much. I said, glad to help. You see, that's life, isn't it? There's going to be times whenever you get stalled on the hills of life. There's gonna be times whenever the stones and rocks of life hit you and they overwhelm you. And you're you're trying to roll this, this stone up a hill, and you can't do it because as soon as you get it up a little bit, it falls back on you. You try again, it falls back on you. And what do you need? You need somebody else to come alongside you and help you. Welcome to the church. Welcome to, welcome to a small group. That's when this happens because we're to bear one another's burdens. And when we do that, you know what you, who we look like? Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, whenever we do that for one another, we are fulfilling the law of Jesus Christ. Again, what's the law of Jesus Christ? Well, let me put it to you like this. In the Old Testament, there's over 600 laws that you're commanded to do. But Jesus simplifies it for us. He says, I'm going to give you one law. You go, what is it? Well, we studied it in the last chapter. Look at it. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Look at how it's written. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That fulfills the entire law. It's the golden rule. Paul says, hey, it's the platinum rule, right? In fact, you know, if you will fulfill that one rule... You're looking just like Jesus Christ. Why? In fact, you're fulfilling the law of Christ because you're acting like Jesus Christ. Years ago, the great revivalist, Jonathan Edwards, wrote a small little pamphlet, a book called Christian Charity and Its Fruits. And what he said is that many times, Christians, what we do is we make a lot of excuses of why we don't help out other people. And he says the biggest excuse that we make is this. Well, it's their fault. I mean they got themselves into this mess. It's their responsibility. You know what? I'm not going to help them out cuz you know they they brought it on themselves. And I love Jonathan Edwards' response. He says this, quote, "Do you not know the gospel? <laughs> Have you forgotten the misery Christ brought you out of? A misery you brought on yourself?" <laughs> you see, whenever we help people out, no matter how they got there. You know what we're doing? We're acting just like Jesus Christ that 's what we 're called to. Excuse me yeah, what does that look like? Well, let me just give you some practical ways. It can look in a lot of different ways. It could be um, sending somebody a note of encouragement, it may be making a visit, maybe bringing a meal, maybe watching somebody 's kids for them. It may be, I hate to say it, helping them move. I don't know about you, that is the one thing I cannot stand is moving and moving other people. I just can't stand it. I mean, Susan and I have lived in the same house for 23 years because I can't stand the thought of moving, right? But you know what? That's church. Sooner or later, if you're in a Christian community, you're going to help somebody move. You know what I love is that every week I hear about these kind of things happening in our church. I mean, every week I hear about meals being taken, visits being made, rent and utilities being paid. You know, when it often happens, it happens in small groups. Why? Because there you have a group of individuals that know you and love you and care about you. And whenever the burdens of life hit you, they're there to help you carry those burdens as well. Now, but it's not just physical or financial burdens that we may have. Did you know that some of the biggest burdens in life are emotional burdens? You know, in in what way? Well, um, let's talk about death. I mean, one of the greatest things that we carry is grief. And if you've lost a loved one, or you've lost a spouse, or even harder, a child, man, that's hard to walk through that kind of stuff. I mean, see, the fact is, is that we can sympathize with each other, right? I can go to somebody and say, man, I'm so sorry, but I have my wife still. I have my kids. But you know, whenever somebody else has lost a spouse or a child, They don't just sympathize, they empathize. They understand to a certain degree. And they're able to speak words of life. The Bible says that with the same comfort that God has comforted you in your time of trials, you're able to turn around and comfort somebody else. That's what we're called to do. In fact, that's why one of the ministries of our church, our care ministry, is grief share. Because every one of us are going to go through times of grief. And you need other people that have gone through it and will go through it with you. What's another huge load? It's divorce. In our Christian community, there's hundreds of individuals that wish they were still married today, but somewhere along the way, something broke up, busted up, blew up their marriage, and now they're struggling, right? That's why we have divorce care. You have other people that have gone through that kind of pain to help them out. Folks, we are called to help bear one another's burdens physically, Emotionally, spiritually, we're called to carry these burdens for one another. It's all about others, not just you, right? Most of you, whenever you go to any store between now and Christmas, you will hear a ringing bell and a kettle of the Salvation Army, right? I I love the Salvation Army. It was founded in 1865 by William and Catherine Booth. It was originally um, titled London Christian Mission, but it began to expand. And their mission, their goal, was to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the least of these in our community. And they haven't wavered from that that goal at all. And, And to this very day, they try to minister to those on the outside. It was real interesting, near the end of William Booth's life, they were having a huge, large national convention, and he was asked to speak, but he physically was not able to go there. And so they said, would you you please just share a brief word with our um, delegates? And so he did. He sent this message to the delegates of the Salvation Army Convention. One word. Others. Others. General William Booth. Can Can I tell you something? It's about others. Let me say this again. Life is not about you turn to the person next to you and just remind them, life is not about you. Surprise, life is not about you. Then what's life about? Life is about Jesus Christ and others. And when you get the Jesus stuff right, then suddenly he changes your heart to where you start loving others. And so Paul says, okay, we got these burdens in our life. You got the burden of sin, it's gonna stink you up, it'll break you. Take it to Jesus, and he'll heal you. You, You've got the the burdens of crisis and adversity in your life. You need other people that you're able to share those with. But there's a third burden that Paul talks about in this passage. Shut it down. And it's just simply, I entitle it, the burdens of life. The burdens of life that we all are going to have, and in those burdens of life, we've got to take some personal responsibility for them. Others can help you with a major crisis, but you've got to learn to take responsibility for your own load. Look at how Paul puts this in verse 5. For each person will have to carry his own load. You you see, we seem to live as a society in a no-fault society and an entitlement society. You go, what does that mean? That means that nobody wants to take responsibility. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And with this entitlement mentality, it's like, well, I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that. Listen, you know what I've discovered? A lot of stuff is your fault, and you're not entitled to everything you think you are. In fact, can I just be completely blunt with you? Do you know what we all deserve before a holy God? You know what you really deserve? Hell. Anything above hell is a blessing and grace, okay? That's hard to hear, but it's the truth, okay? Okay? And so what do we do? We have this no-fault entitlement mentality. And Paul says, no, you got to learn to carry your own load. How do you do that? A couple of things. Number one is this. First of all, you got to avoid comparisons. you got to avoid comparisons because you're always going to find somebody else that you think is better than you or, you know what, they're not as good as you. In fact, look at how Paul puts this. Verse 3, he says, if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. You go, why would a person be to see that way? He tells you how. Verse 4, you should not compare himself with somebody else. See, if you're busy comparing yourself to somebody else, you know what you're going to do? You're not going to really take responsibility for yourself. I have a pastor friend who was involved heavily in prison ministry. And he said, you know, it amazed me how these prisoners would often compare themselves with somebody else and sort of justify their own crimes. I mean, you could talk to somebody who had robbed a convenience store. And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I robbed the convenience store, but I didn't use a gun. It was an armed robbery. It was robbery, but it was an armed robbery. I mean, those armed robbers, those are really the bad people. I'm not really all that bad, see? I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. You can always find somebody else that's worse off than you and make yourself feel, you know, I'm not all that bad, or you can go. You know what? I'm entitled to that person, or I deserve that. And what's uh, what happens is is that you never really deal with who you are and what you're supposed to do. You think you're entitled to something else. I love the story in um, Denver um, Airport. Several years back, there was one of the flights that was canceled, and um, there was one attendant that was trying to rebook all these, you know, inconvenienced passengers. And as she was doing that, this one man sort of, you know, pushes his way up front, puts his ticket down on the counter, and says, I need to be on that next plane, and it better be first class. And she said, Sir, I'll be glad to take care of you. You just need to wait in line, and I'll be glad to take care of you when I take care of all these other passengers as well. He wasn't impressed. He goes, Do you know who I am? And without missing a beat, she picks up the um, public address microphone And says, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention? There's a man at my desk here that doesn't know who he is. If any of you are here and able to help him out, would you please come here? And then she hangs up. The people around start applauding. (laughs) And he makes his way to the back of the line. You See, we think that we're something when we're not, Paul says. We're deceiving ourselves. How do we do that? By comparing ourselves to one another. There's a second thing you need to choose to do as as well. Jot this down. You need to learn to accept your own load. You need to learn to accept your own load. That means quit pushing off on others what you have to take care of yourself. Look at it again, verse 5. Paul says, each person will have to carry his own load. Now, at first read, you may go, this seems like a contradiction. Didn't he just say in verse 2 that, you know what, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens? And now he's saying we're supposed to carry our own load. Which is it? Both. Have you noticed there's two different words there? In verse 2, Paul says a burden. It's the Greek word where we get burrow from, this overwhelming, back-breaking load. But in verse 5, he talks about a load. Literally, the word there is your own personal luggage. I would describe it this way. I've got a backpack here, okay? This is your own personal luggage. This is your load. You go, well, how do you distinguish one from the other? Well, let me illustrate it like this. Imagine that, okay, we're going to go hike the Smoky Mountains, Appalachian Trail together this summer, right? And I got my backpack, you got your backpack. We've all packed our backs, and we are heading through this trail. And as we're going up one particular mountain, you go, this backpack is heavy. This is a heavy load. I don't know if I can do it. Could somebody here, you know, carry my backpack for me? And if you're strong or stupid, you may say, sure, I'll carry your load for you, right? But what you ought to say is, ain't going to do it. Why? Because I got my own load to carry, but it's so heavy. Well, you're the one who packed it. You got to carry your own load. Now, what would happen If just a few hundred yards up the trail, we hear about a rock slide. And there's another hiker, and guess what? This huge boulder has landed on his leg, and he's trying to remove it off, and he can't. What would we all do? We'd quickly gather around that other boulder, and we'd all push together and get the boulder off of him so that he could free his leg. Do you see the difference? The Bible says there's going to be times when the boulders of life fall on us, and we need people to help us, right? And there's other times that you just got to learn to carry your own load. You go, why? Because that's how we grow. Listen, as a church, we want to be here for you. We are here for you. I mean, we're not perfect, but I don't know of another church that does it better than our church. The fact is we help people carry the burdens of life. But we can't be God for you. You've got to learn to trust God, and you've got to learn to walk with God to learn to carry your own load. Some people haven't learned that. They think that any little crisis is a big crisis. Call 911. Assemble the pastors and the deacons. Somebody's got to come over here right now and resolve this crisis. Look, we can't be that for you. We can help you, right? But we can't be God for you. You've got to learn to carry your own load, and that's how you grow in your faith. That's what Paul's talking about here. I can remember years ago when I was in Bible college, I had a, um, a roommate who he went to the same Bible college I did. The only difference is, is that he was not all that disciplined, and so he had a hard time waking up in the morning because he stayed up really late at night, had a hard time focusing on his studies, and eventually he dropped out of Bible college. But I can remember, because he's my roommate, one day he came to me and he says, hey, Tony, um, I need your brother. And I said, well, what's going on? And he says, I need you to help me. I said, well, in what way? He said, um, when you wake up in the morning, could you wake me up too?" Now, at first, I didn't think anything of that. I'm like, that's not really that big a deal. Of course, I can help this guy out. But as soon as I started contemplating that, it felt like this huge load was moving from him to me. And I said, you know what? I don't think I should do that. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, I really don't. I think you need to take responsibility for that yourself. What I wanted to say is that you're a lazy bum and I ain't gonna be your mama to wake you up and kiss you on the cheek and fix your breakfast and dress you every morning. I'm not gonna be that guy, okay? I didn't say that, but that's what I was feeling like saying, okay? What am I saying? I'm saying he had to learn to carry his own load. There are certain things I can't do for you. I can't trust Jesus for you. I can't worship for you. I can't think for you. I can't take my thoughts captive for you. I can't rebuke Satan for you. The Bible says you have to submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I can't pray for you. I mean, I can pray for you, but I can't pray in your place. That's your own load, folks. You've got to learn to take responsibility and carry your own load. I mean, I can't serve for you. I mean, some Christians have this mindset, okay, we pay the preacher to do all of our service. No, I've got my calling. You've got your calling. You've got certain things God's calling you to do. You've got to carry your own load. Every one of us have to learn to carry our own load. And so, those are the three burdens of life. We've got the burden of sin, and it will stink up your life, and it'll break you. So you need to repent and take it to Jesus. You've got the overwhelming burdens, and you need somebody, and that's why I encourage you to get in a small group, that will help you carry those loads of life. And then you've got the daily kind of stuff that you just got to learn to carry on your own. Let me tell you, there's going to be times whenever you're weak, And you're going to need somebody else to help you carry that load. That's what the church, that's what small groups are all about. But you know what? There's going to be times when I'm weak, and I'm going to need you to help me carry my load as well. And when we both do that, we represent Christ well. We're fulfilling the law of Jesus Christ. Let me close with this. I think a great illustration of this is this mine called Q Creek There was a mining disaster, and basically there were these nine miners that were trapped. Listen to this, 240 feet underground. There was a cave-in, and they were trapped in this small space, four feet high, 18 feet wide. Nine miners, they were virtually covered in water. They were down there for three days. They had no light. They had no food. They had no fresh water. 200 men worked around the clock to rescue these nine miners. When they finally came out, they were surprised that they all survived. And after an interview, they found out why. One of the leaders basically said this, we determined early on we were either going to all live together or we were all going to die together. And so whenever one person starts to shiver, the other eight would gather around him and they would warm him up. And then he would, you know, he would do the same for others later on. And there were times when a person would get discouraged and depressed and get down, and the rest of us would come around him and encourage him and say, hey, we're going to make it through this together. We're in this thing together. And he goes, the only reason why we survived those hellish three days is because we did it together. Folks, I think it's a great illustration of the church. We're better together. God has put you in a family. We want this church to be that kind of family for you. Why? Because whenever you slip into sin, somebody's there to say, hey, i got to snap this thing back, brother. I want you to be healed. Or whenever the burdens of life overwhelm you, there's somebody there that will come alongside you and help you bear those burdens. Whenever we do this as a church, you know what's going to happen? We're going to look a lot like Jesus. Folks, that's what this church is called to be. We're called to help carry one another's burdens. Let's start being that kind of church.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast